This week we're talking about uh, Pride of the X-Men. You're listening to Amazingly Terrible, the podcast that swears it was Jiffy. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. Uh, I'm Derek. There you go. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and my name happens to be David. See? There we go. Okay. I was going to say something about nice, shawarma nice. and how I love it. Shawarma is good. So what what were we talking about, uh, Matt, that you said that we needed to record it for the for The, the Mandela Effect. Yeah, we, got, we were talking about the Mandela Effect. The Berenstein and Berenstein Bears. It was or, the Mandela Effect? Okay. Okay, here's... I just did a quick uh, Mandela Effect quiz. Um, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. nice. um, what Mada- Mandela Effect are you? <laughs> Slytherin? Is it Slytherin? <laughs> the racist one. <laughs> no, uh, okay, here's a couple questions for you. Okay, the Candy Kit Kat, is it spelled mm-hmm. K-I-T capital K-A-T or K-I-T hyphen capital K-A-T? Hyphen. Hyphen. Wrong. Mm. It is K-I-T, capital K-A-T. There's no hyphen in Kit Kat. Hmm. What about Fruit Loops? How do you spell fruit in Fruit Loops? F-R-O-O-T. Yeah, it's a legal I, thing because they don't contain fruit. <laughs> yeah, because it's Because it can't actually call it fruit. Uh, yeah. we, all, we all live in that, that, uh, that fucking multiverse there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fruit. If you get Oscar Mayer bologna or Oscar Mayer wieners or whatever, is it M-A-Y-E-R or M-E-Y-E-R? M-E-Y-E-R. I don't know. M-A-Y-E-R. Ah, oh, fuck. Yep. Meyer. Mm-hmm. What what dimension Mayer. am I from? Like, really? I think, which, I which, think we're which, similar which... dimensions. We remember Berenstein okay. Bears. We remember... Yeah. Uh, but see, I, rem- I, see I, I remember Jiffy, though, and you don't remember Jeff. I, I remember Jeff. I, I, I remember Jeff, not Jiffy. Um, I remember Jeff. I remember Berenstein Bears. Oh, does well, the well, Monopoly guess... Man wear a monocle? Yes. Uh, yes. No, he does not. Motherfucker. <laughs> Here's the thing. Monopoly Man has changed over time. Like, every time they release that <laughs> game, they fucking redesign so maybe, the Monopoly Maybe there was, Man. There was a, a very, very limited print monocled Monopoly Man in, like, <laughs> 1987. I mean, there's fucking, like, Star Wars Monopoly. Yeah. You have to go through, like, all of the cards. Well, do do you does it have the actual like original question in there? Does it actually ask, "Did Nelson Mandela die in prison?" Uh, the or... one I did was on BuzzFeed, so a lot of it was pop culture. I did, did not okay. have the, and I don't. I okay. Well, question for all of you: Did but did Nelson Mandela die in prison? No, no, no he was killed by Ivan Dobsky, the meat safe murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, well, at least we all had a, had the same starting point, I guess. Because I, yeah, he he did not die in prison. All right, so we have the Pride of the X Men, and in 1989, essentially Marvel wanted to create an X Men cartoon, which didn't actually come into fruition until 1992. And this is the pilot episode of that cartoon. Uh, this episode has a lot of a lot of differences from the 1992 variant. Um, things as simple as like kind of the, the suits, the colors, the animation, um, the opening theme has, has vocals to it in this one. Uh, but let's get into the biggest Delta in the fact that this thing opens with a voter PSA 
featuring a man in a Spider-Man <laughs> costume that looks like it was bought at one of those pop-up Halloween stores that shows mm-hmm. up every September, and yeah. it's real bad. Like, it's really, really campy. Feels very, like, Uncle Touchy. It was. And yeah. the, the thing that it was, it was, like, slightly out of focus because it's old school and it's, you know... Yeah, VHS old school VHS. to whatever. Yeah. Like the fact yeah. that it's slightly out of focus makes you think like some dude filmed it, and it's like sideways too, so they can tell like they filmed him in his crouch, like sitting. Yeah, on the yeah, ground, and then and, then and they moved rotated oh, yeah. the fucking he's, screen. He's, yeah. yeah, he's obviously on the ground, and they keep shooting him from yeah. different angles. But he keeps contorting his body in weird ways to try to make it seem like he's hanging off of the side of a building. He gives yeah. you like yeah, an over the weird. shoulder, like come hither look at one point. <laughs> it's, it's really fucking bad, and and that only really works if the costume is much more form fitting. Yeah, no, sure. not like quasi baggy <laughs> like this one was. I want I want to see um I want to see some separate buttocks armor, all like right. Captain yeah. Power. Ooh, Captain Power! Like each individual butt cheek gets an armor plate. Mm. So that's a Mandela effect. Remember, that's like you I'm remembered as separate butt cheeks, and Mike remembered it as one plate. Mike was just, just a bit more astute than me. Just <laughs> one plate of ass. Right, for the no, time. the timeline uh, diverged at that yeah, point. right there. So this is 1989, as you, as you were pointing out, Derek. This is 1989. This was after the contentious race between uh, Dukakis and Bush 1, Senior Bush. Um, and this is a cartoon for kids in 1989. Yeah. So I'm actually, and they say, in, in the, part of the PSA was, Spider-Man says, go sign up to vote at your local video rental store and tell them Spider-Man sent you. I get the feeling that this was some sort of initiative by, like, the, the video retailers, uh, local 400 or something. Oh, you think it was, like, a local thing? It was, like, a trying to get people involved in local uh, elections, basically? Like, when would you ever go to the video store to get information on about voting? Well, also, like, who who puts who aims this at kids? I'm just picturing like a bunch of like nine year old kids walking into Blockbuster, going, "Hey, Spider Man told me I could vote here," and a bunch dude. of teenage kids going, "Like, what the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, but dude, like, I don't think we can talk. We're fucking forty year old men watching a twenty year old cartoon. Yeah, and because we still don't vote. It's because we watched this. Movie. We vote. What the fuck are you talking? about? Oh right, yeah, right. So we vote. I'm curious. All of us I'm, that, I'm looking that don't right have now. Felony charges. Yeah. Was was there was there a big? And I don't, I don't even know how to actually kind of kind of express it. But was there was there a big law coming in with with video copyright stuff like in that time frame? You know what I'm saying? Like we have uh, like net neutrality going on now. Where all of a sudden you would see something like this on an internet site. I'm curious if in 1989 slash 1990 there was a big like push in Congress to be like, "Hey, you can't copy, you you can't record programs off your television or something like that." I think that was late 70s. Actually, what I think it was is I'm pretty sure this this is from a VHS tape that was actually released by the studio, and I don't think it got released until closer to 1992. I think is really what it is. I think oh, this was like this. I think this was a get out to vote attempt for the uh, election between Bush Senior and Clinton. I think so. they probably needed a little more padding on the tape mm-hmm. because it was uh, like it, it's it's only twenty two minutes long, 
and it's not even they that. wanted to have some sort of like educational. Yeah the the actual the actual like episode is like seventeen and a half minutes. Jesus, it's it's it's, it's friggin' quick. But no, it, it was an interesting thing. Like Adam, maybe maybe that was the case. Maybe there was some law. Maybe whatever. But it was it was it was jarring. Like it was it was very very like I, I clicked on the episode the first time on Wednesday, and I was like, yeah, I, I saw Spider Man. I'm like, oh, here we go. Spider Man's going to introduce the X Men, and all of a sudden he's talking about fucking voting. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I <laughs> what actually, the hell am I, I just looked it up. Actually, this was a 1992 voting PSA, so this was the get out the vote for oh. that election. Okay. And a- and apparently it's considered to be a cursed PSA. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder so why. So we, well, we all I, now have seven days to live. So Well, I, I did lose my boner watching it. Why it's cursed. The Spider-Man costume looks rather putrid, and the actor's <laughs> performance sounds oddly threatening. It does. Not to mention the rather vague way he describes how to register oneself. Especially <laughs> since it sounds like he's registering twice somehow. What? <laughs> This is so fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, it is weird. I it didn't it didn't set off that many alarm balls. It was just like, no, okay. Uh, I mean, I don't want alarm. to be in the room with that guy, but it was just out yeah. of place. Yeah, so it, anyways, it was just weird. But uh, but I have pictured just like a bunch of little kids going to Blockbuster, being like, "We need to vote." Yeah, and a bunch of teenage on, kids just up. being confused as hell. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I see. I picture them walking in, staring like dead eyed direct, directly at the guy there and saying. Spider-Man sent me. <laughs> and then the teenager's like, okay, we got your shit in the back, and they go to the back to the adult right. section. He's like, put your social security number on this list, and we'll make sure that it counts towards the Republican Party. <laughs> All right, so then we get into a great opening montage. Um, we can We can talk about that if you want if not then i'd like to immediately go and yeah, the- bam stan fucking lee as soon as that song is over I- explains the premise of the comics which i loved because you're now yeah. taking the x-men <laughs> which is kind of a niche comic book thing and you're putting it on the syndicated television and so stan lee himself talks about like hey there are mutants some are yeah. good some are bad like this is how this goes I, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Getting the Stanley voiceover also creates a little bit more of a connection with the Spider-Man series. So yeah. it actually it, it like creates a little bit more continuity there. The problem I had is he almost he almost does the exact opposite thing that the comics these comics were meant to do because the X-Men comics were a thinly veiled um, proxy for racism in the nineteen seventies nineteen eighties. And it was supposed to be teaching kids about how good diversity is. But Stanley's voiceover is, look around you in your classroom. Some of your classmates are mutants and they have powers. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, find somebody in your classroom that's different than you and point them out so you can treat them differently. I mean, I mean, the th- reason why it works is because everyone fantasizes about being a mutant and being yeah. different. Because everybody wants that. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Like, and everyone feels that way. And disconnected, isolated, and special, you know. Yeah. Everybody wants to be Harry Potter. That's the reason why the X-Men were my favorite comic book when I was a kid. Sure, like absolutely. 100% hands down. This is my my favorite. I just thought it was really cool that they had Stan Lee come in and explain it. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's a little bit of, like, kind of, like, nostalgia for the fact that, like, he was always around until he passed away not so long ago. Um, but I just thought, I thought it was very cool. 
think I think that is a good point though. I think and I and I, I do hold that it adds a little bit of continuity because he, he didn't he do the voiceover for the uh, the Spider Man cartoon during that time frame. I don't recall. I mean, that was later. It was during the nineties. I don't remember. Well, you put like there. eight Spider-Man cartoons on the list, so I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll find out. One, one of them has Stanley. So <laughs> just, the circle of Spider-Man pointing at each other just gets bigger and bigger. And <laughs> the bigger. circle of Spider-Man. <laughs> one I'm day, sorry, all of the, all of this will be yours. I, so I, mispro- to... I, mis- I mispronounced that story, David. Every the Spider-Man. The circle of Spider-Man. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> every Spider-Man that the sun touches is yours. Except that one. What's that one? The Spider-Man one is voting fine. PSA. <laughs> Except for that group, of, that group of guys who just stand in the shadow. They're like standing next to a big rock. It's just a bunch of Times Square Spider-Man. I'd like to talk real quick about the opening. Yeah, me um, too. Me too. Yeah. It's a real Wildcat style lyric. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, not nearly that bad, but also not. It doesn't flip over into into good bad. I, I was having a hard time. I, I couldn't tell what they were saying because because it, it is X Men X Men, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the was. And I thought it might have been X Men X Men facing the day, facing the day. It felt Star Warsian a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah, an attempt to become epic by adding like. A, I mean, the singers definitely like try to sing with gravitas, and then they they do like the echoing singing, but it's it's literally just one lyric over and 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 over again. We also we get the cartoon we see in the opening, literally, because the opening <laughs> is made from shots from this cartoon. Yeah, because they only they only made one cartoon. This is the only one they aired, and and just a, a couple of production notes. I don't know if, if Derek was going to get into that, but the this pilot never got picked up. However, uh, one of the champions for uh, this particular television series, when it didn't get uh, uh, picked up in 1989, uh, Margaret uh, Loesch Loesch, uh, became head of Fox Children's Network Programming. Uh. And since she switched over to Fox, she immediately was like, okay, we're making an X-Men cartoon. Get everybody together. We're going to make this work. And they they wound up rolling out the cartoon that we remember, the... um, the 90s X-Men. Yeah, the 90s X-Men with Rogue and uh, Jean Grey and all them in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the same characters, but... Um, some of the some of the same characters. Some re- of the same remixed. Characters. I mean, Dazzler yeah. shows up, doesn't she, in the series? I think she shows up for a brief minute, but they had uh, Jubilee in it. And Jubilee's powers are basically just a slightly better form of Dazzler's powers. I always thought so, they were a shittier form of Dazzler's powers. I don't really understand her no. powers. Dazzler's Dazzler's powers was that she can convert sound into light. Sure. And from what what I understand, it's not like concussive light. It's not like hard light. It's like literally light. Yeah, and she could like, like flashbang people. But but not really. I don't. And, and the comic book, I don't even think that she could actually like shoot. It wasn't even like a laser. It wasn't hard. No. Yeah. It was like, just. It I mean, would like it would fuck it up your just, eyes. It was a basically. flash of light that would blind you. That's. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. But she has to say pew 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 pew. <laughs> yeah, because she has to make noise in order to convert the noise into light. No, so. she only says that when she's running through a church. The um, <laughs> God, I need to stop laughing at these dad jokes. It's good though. Um, Jubilee's powers was that she could make fireworks. 
So ah. she could she her power was a little bit more akin to like Gambit's power, and she can make them big enough to actually like cause damage and hurt people. What's the difference between her and Boom Boom then? Could Boom Boom just make bigger explosions? Boom Boom made bigger. Yeah, I think she made bigger explosions. From what I understand, she made like actual concussive, basically mm. like concussive grenades that she was able to like throw out. But hers were also just like a single concussive force, whereas Jubilee's power was like shooting a bunch of fireworks in random directions, and it was like a colorful light display. Yeah, was yeah. Jubilee's, of, wasn't Jubilee's powers more electrical based? Wasn't she always like destroying like shorting things out? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Because I think so, I, how the fuck did she get on the X Men? Like that's a terrible fucking power. Um. Well, she became she basically joined the X Men because she became um, Wolverine's sidekick. Yeah, she's she's our viewpoint character. Yeah, yeah, she's the viewpoint character that kind of brings you into it. But I think people also just loved drawing a tiny girl or a tiny woman. I guess I could say girl. She was supposed to be really young, uh, riding on Wolverine's back. So while Wolverine was like charging into combat, there was this young girl on his back throwing uh, fireworks at people. Yeah, this. I mean, this so. was part part of the redemption of Wolverine period, where they humani- yeah, yeah. tried to humanize him because. And they had the whole like. Um, Japanese backstory where mm-hmm. he actually like where they go into like Lady Deathstrike and yeah there's probably around out. this was probably around patch time as well I don't know what that is patch that's time. when patch when he goes to he has a third identity as patch he goes to Majapur and like uh, has like noir style adventures there I remember the name patch but I didn't realize that was supposed to be Wolverine it's yeah it's Wolverine it's just him he, he doesn't wear a costume and he wears a black eye patch over one eye Oh, what was the name of the um, like the weird dwarf troll character from the Infinity uh, Guardians? You remember? Uh, Pip. He always switched the guard. Pip. Pip. That's Pip. what they got. Okay. Yeah, Pip the troll. All right, so I'm back. Shall we jump into perfect. this? No, we're done. Oh, perfect. All right, uh, I really enjoyed it, guys. Uh, wrapping this up, that was a quick one. Uh, no, no, we no, just no. got through the opening. Yeah, we just okay, talked yeah. about the opening. Uh, did you talk about, like, essentially scene A, scene one, where they're in the no. military convoy? No. no. So the episode opens after we have Stanley kind of explain the whole mutant thing. There is a military convoy going through the desert. We find out that Magneto is imprisoned in this military convoy in this this truck that has like this kind of uh, electrical helicoil going around it. Yeah. Uh, the military convoy is is then ambushed, and they I believe it's by White Witch. Um, she makes no, it's the, um, uh, uh, the White the Queen. White Queen. White Queen. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. You guys are better at X Men than me. But anyways, she, <laughs> I don't she know makes, quite what she's doing here. She she doesn't really go with Magneto, but I can see why they threw her in. Yeah, because yeah, uh, she's part of the um, she's, uh, the Hellfire Club. Hellfire Club, Hellfire. That's no, no. Like the yeah. Brotherhood of Mutant Terrorists. Yes, yeah. I, I enjoyed that name I was, change. I was going to say that too, yeah. It's, no, it's uh, great. You're definitely the hero of your own story when you call yourself a terrorist. Yeah, all the all the dialogue in this cartoon is using the wrong words. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> kind of back to her thing, what I really enjoyed that this cartoon did, is especially as an opener, if somebody was not kind of into X-Men, the comics, or whatever, which goes back to the same thing that Stan Lee did, is every single X-Men or Brotherhood of Mutant Terrorist, they showcase their power in the episode. They don't say, oh, hey, this person can do this. 
Oh, this show was yeah. This show was very thorough and in their introductions. They all come mm-hmm. in. They announce their own name in some way. Yep. They uh, talk about what their power is in the simplest yeah. possible yeah. way, and then they yeah. demonstrate it. Yep, I thought that was but fantastic. The the depiction of some of the powers was a little bit off, though, as far as my taste. And it comes back to a lot of problems oh, that people God, have you're such with a these fucking gatekeeper with these uh, superhero. <laughs> no, 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 gatekeeper. Let me talk it's a problem about the I have, episode. Jesus, it's a problem I have with all the superhero <laughs> genre uh, cartoons that were coming Matt, out around this time frame. Was once like upon you, a you would time, have I like oh, this person and I didn't okay. like the color of okra he used in the painting. <laughs> yeah, I like I the mean, early Rembrandts where he used the much more yellow okra instead of the green one. Mm-hmm. Fucking trash, Rembrandt. Just put the bitch in the shredder. <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, he probably bought a cheap okra. He was cheap. He was a cheap guy. Yeah, I mean, he's only one of the most famous painters ever. Chintzy. Um, completely frugal. So, do you, Adam? Is your problem when they like um, dumb? The, they kind of like they downpower them. Kind of. It's, it's yeah. really just it's a problem that every animation has, and the fact that it actually um, they don't know how to depict the power, so they try to come up with just sort of a stupid proxy for it. That's it. Yeah, that goes back to uh, Superman, where when they're actually showing him on screen, that's when he gained his ability to fly because before he was just jumping over things. That looks stupid on screen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Holy shit! I didn't realize that. You're 100 percent right. Not, not that you wouldn't be, but like no. I have the original Action Comics. You should be dubious one of everything he says. Dealy Whopper, right there. I'm excellent oh. podcasting, guys. I have the Action <laughs> Comics number one. Uh, it's not a real Action Comics number one. I'd love to have that, but no, it's a, it's a. Oh, you, you think we you wouldn't have told us already? You hey think guys, it wouldn't have been the first fucking thing you one. said to me, said to us? It's like, hey, hey, I'm Derek. I own Action Comics number one. Would you like to see my dick? Um, <laughs> I like that you're compounding this visual stuff on the podcast by now you're pointing to things that even we can't see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I've seen it on his wall. It's like a so metal anyways, one. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tin like whatever wall decoration. But I I have seen that, and I, I I had no idea. Like I didn't put two and two together that Superman just jumped over shit, even though I'd seen panels of that comic until you just said it, David. Yeah. Well, well, he also wasn't superpowered. Leaping <laughs> buildings in a, like in he, a single bound. He wasn't. He wasn't strong. Like he actually. If he, they would show comics, sh- they would show panels where he was like trying to break through a door, but like a, he's holding a, human. a fucking thirty-two Dodge above he's his head. Dressed yes. like a strong yes. man. Shit. That's his however, outfit. Yeah, but however, yeah. he did. He does get stopped by like doors. People can <laughs> hold doors shut, and he wasn't able to get through them. There, there's look it up. There's a fucking panel of him with like a group of guys on the other side of the door, and he's not able to push the door open. This was the whole. This was the whole part of Superman's. Uh, uh, mythos and part of his construction was the fact that he actually wound up gaining a lot of these superpowers much later on in the comic book run and it wasn't until after the guys that made superman wound up selling the rights of it to uh dc comics for like 400 bucks i think those are shitty writers i mean literally in action comics number one the cover he's holding a dodge four-door sedan above his head every super every superhero's powers wax and wane over the period of time and superman in particular had a very odd set of powers overall he had like he could shoot like tiny supermans out of his hands 
Like he, he has a he has a rainbow ray he can shoot out of his hand. Like um, well, was, this is why they well, did even, Crisis on Infinite Earth so they could retcon all of Superman's power set. Well, they even had it um, in the movies, um, uh, the old movies. The Amnesia Kiss. Well, the Amnesia Kiss, sure. but also the um, like he he rebuilt the Great Wall of China by like looking at it and shooting beams out of his eyes. What? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Wait, this is another this, Mandela effect. No, no, no. <laughs> that this scene was, didn't happen. This was this was one of the later movies. This was the one where uh, I'm uh, pretty sure this was the one where he had to fight the evil Superman, Black Adam, that was formed in the the uh, warhead that was shot up into space using his DNA. Yeah, was that guy solar powered or like no? He was, he was powered. He was I think nuclear he, powered. Uh, yeah, I think he was nuclear powered. Nuclear powered. Yeah. Nu- nuclear powered. Nuclear powered. All right, nuclear. moving right along. We're doing yeah, a lot to avoid an, an episode we actually liked. Yeah. Right? So anyways, anyways, White Queen dissolves some fucking trucks, quicksands, the pavement. They all get sunken in. The colonel gets wrapped up in his M16. That Magneto breaks down with his brain, wraps him up in now an M16 chain, throws him in a ditch. He escapes. Boom. Scene number two, we got Miss Kitty Pride showing up to X-Men University. Yeah. I will, I will say that first opening scene, it was very well animated. It looked super good. I, it definitely set my expectations pretty high, and the rest of the episode. Ca- I thought the entire episode was very well drawn. Oh yeah, this was this was yep. the um, the uh, the reaction that I had when we. All right, so we have the pride of the X Men at that comic book club or whatever. Yeah, I kept on I kept on asking everybody when this cartoon was coming out because I want to watch this one, not the X Men that was out already. Right, because I thought this was much more. Much, much better animated. This is much more uh, concise with its drawing and with its storytelling. Plus, you loved you loved the Claremont X Men. Yeah, I, did, I mean, I, I also like, love the Claremont X Men, but this is the Claremont X Men. Yeah, this well, so that's kind is, of what I was what raised is the on. Claremont X Men. Chris Claremont um, was probably the most famous X Men writer. Yeah, um, oh, okay. and his was Nightcrawler, uh, Storm, Wolverine, uh, Warpath, Sunfire. Um, Jean Grey, I think, was in it as well, but she she was one of the original ones that actually joined that group. Yeah, uh, but that was no, actually, she was an X Factor at that point. Uh, at that point in time, uh, no, he. So. I mean, he did the whole Dark Phoenix saga, so he had he had Scott and then Jean. They gotcha. didn't go to X Force until in. later, kind of after his run, I think. Um, gotcha. Because he did he did a whole shit ton of like classic storylines um, okay. yeah. that were genre writing? defining for. He's still writing. Oh no! Shit. When did he? When did he start? Was it like late eighties? Would have been mid. No, I think yeah. it was early eighties. I thought it was late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, it was early seven. I think it was early seven. Yeah, sorry, late seventies, early eighties. Okay. Yeah. So and he would have been around the block for about ten years when they kind of started to put this together. Basically, so. what and basically what he did was he took the X Men characters, and he's the one who who did a lot to develop the mutant as analogy for um, racism storyline and the other thing that he did is he introduced melodrama like he had basically soap opera plots yeah was he the one that created the love triangle between yes uh, wolverine and gene gray and I, scott um yep that's totally him love yeah. triangles classic like very classic cool. soap opera writing well, yeah, okay. If if he was running the Dark Phoenix saga, that he also he also wrote in Kitty Pride, so he probably developed the relationship between Kitty Pride and Colossus as well. Yep, that's all him. So, yeah, 
All right, so we'll try and hammer through the next scene here real quick so we can... Because you guys keep going back and, like, <laughs> no, no drama. Well, like, well, you yeah. guys are definitely linking this back to, to X-Men. Um, what you're this is one of to. our favorite things that exists. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. I, I'm absolutely aware, which is why I should not have been chosen to lead this, but... No, I like that, it, that you're the <laughs> no, one. No, it's perfect, yeah. Yeah, because we know a lot of pointless bullshit about it. Right, so Kitty Pride shows up to, to the college, uh, immediately meets Professor Xavier... Um, and then he brings her essentially to essentially like a room where they're looking down into the X Men training room. I forget what they call yeah. it. Danger uh, room. He, the, yeah, he almost danger room. he pretty much immediately breaks his own rule. Yeah, like his right? his one main rule. He immediately breaks it. He yeah, goes into Kitty Pride's mind, finds out what she's what she's there for, and then tells it back to her, and then causes hallucinations to make her walk through the school. <laughs> Um, they didn't do a great job, like, with a welcome committee for her. No, no, she walks in and goes right in this thing. They immediately introduce Cyclops, Colossus, Dazzler, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Storm, and with a light explanation of all they do. Um, yeah, and I've super got two, efficient. Two points, yeah. two questions about this, or a one point, one question. Uh, point number one: Dazzler and Jubilee are two separate characters, right? Oh yes, yeah. Dazzler okay. predates Jubilee by. 20, 15 years, yeah. Yeah, it's been, yeah. It's are quite they, some time. They, and Dazzler, Dazzler actually isn't really um, as active a member of the X-Men because she's a musician. She's like Jim okay. from Jim of the Holograms. Yeah, yeah, she's basically Jim. <laughs> yeah, okay, I had to look her up. That was the only one I didn't recognize because I, I watched X-Men as a kid. I'm definitely not into it as much as you guys are, but I'm at least educated on who, like, the big X-Men and all the way down to like the small supporting X-Men were. And, and that's, I think kind of the first time I've ever heard of Dazzler. Um, Dazzler was a different, like she was very much aimed at a female audience and a lot of female fans of X-Men really like that character. Have yeah. Special, do you know why special... she was introduced? This is the one thing I picked up from Wikipedia. Oh, tell me. She was introduced in the late 1970s as a disco singer. Yes. To bring in the disco, essentially pop culture into X-Men. Oh. And that's why she can take <laughs> sound bites and turn yep. them into energy. Yep. Yeah, 1979. That's the best time to get into disco. That's um, <laughs> when I first got my my taste of it. So she turned she turned cocaine into bullets. Yeah, <laughs> she turned cocaine, cocaine into bullets. That's what mm-hmm. she did. Um, okay, and then the thing that actually kind of I don't want to say blew my mind, but made me go whoa with this is the the <laughs> the exact note I wrote is what fucking accent does Wolverine have? And then as the episode went on... It's, yes. it's Australian. He's yeah. supposed to be Australian. It's a real bad Australian accent. It's really bad. curious... It's very bad. Did that play into picking huge jacked man into playing Wolverine, being um, an Australian? Uh, or so did they just pick him because he was huge jacked man? I don't think it, I don't think it um, had any impact. Um, yeah. I, although, here's the question I had, because I'm though I do love the X-Men, Wolverine is kind of his own entity. Since he is like, na- he is now for sure. He's in like twenty five different comics. He's a but his backstory he's a was never character. Australian, right? No, he's Canadian. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I, I thought he was Canadian the whole time. Yeah, no, he's he's always been Canadian. The so the Australia thing. Here is my theory. This was right around the time of like Yahoo Serious, just after, um, which there was a huge trend for, um, like. Australian culture within uh, the American pop culture. Okay. And I think they probably like made him Australian as like, well, we could capitalize on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, Midnight Oil, is that the name of the band? Yeah, yeah, Crocodile yeah. Dundee. Yeah, Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, all from that period. What I actually believe is the case is his name is Logan. And I think, wasn't Crocodile Dundee's name Logan Dundee? No, it was Paul Hogan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul Hogan Dundee. No, Paul Hogan is the name of the actor. Yeah, the I, actor. Don't, I yeah. don't think he was Logan. I think he was just whatever. Yeah. I, th- I um, thought there was like a famous Australian man named Logan, so they just said, oh, we're just going to call him Logan, or we're just going to make him Australian. And then the second question that I have based on accents, was Nightcrawler German? Yeah, supposed to be yes. He yeah. was always German. Okay, I don't yeah. remember that. Pretty. He was deep. rescued. He was rescued as a uh, sideshow freak by Professor Xavier, and that was like the first time in the comic books that he actually was supposed to break his own rule, because he basically made this mob of people that were about to kill Nightcrawler turn around and okay. just leave. He mind controlled all of them. That was supposed to be like a big thing of like, oh wow, Professor Xavier like went there. He went to that place. He just does to that constantly. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the uh, the um, prime directive, and it wasn't really a big deal. It was like them making a big deal of it because it was the first the first the giant sized X Men, the X Men that launched the second team. And so, and I, and I guess I guess the final point because I've got it streaming in the background that I want to bring up that I thought was very cool uh, from the X Men that I watched as a kid compared to this one. I really really like the difference in costumes. They all have different yeah. costumes in this one. I, yeah. The one that I think is the best is Storm's. Yes. So they almost <laughs> <laughs> Storm's costume is fucking awesome. No, it's it's really good. Like Wolverine yeah. looks the same. Colossus looks the same. Uh, Cyclops is sort of the same, but he doesn't have the big like bandolier. X, okay, so that's whatever. This is a Cyclops's original costume. The bandolier X came in the nineties. Right, no, but that's what I remember as a kid. Yeah, yeah the yeah, difference like, with the '90s costume is that he has the hair that sticks out the top, yeah, the top. of the uh, yeah. full head mask. He has the well, half. Oh, the yeah, half like count, what's his face mask. out of Wildcats? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Rifter. Yeah, yeah. Guess who drew both of those? Jim Same guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but Wolverine looks almost identical. Guess what other character has a half mask that he helped invent? Gambit. Okay. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You really hate this guy. (laughs) Will you guys just take over the episode? No, what? No, we want to make annoying, pointless, deep lore cuts. So so Um, the thing, the fun thing is though, is like all of these, I do love these costumes as well, but all these costumes are very like uh, late seventies, early eighties. This because this is the time of like kind of like the bell bottoms, the thigh high boots, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's well, kind yeah. it's kind of the the whole like science fiction in my mind should have almost a seventies fashion Season vibe. To it. Uh, yeah, yeah, a certain style kind of yeah. sword and sorcery science fiction. Sure, exactly. Cue yeah. the next scene though. So the majority of the X Men leave, and then kind of same vein of conversation. You get a picture of Magneto and Juggernaut. And I think Magneto and Juggernaut, their costumes have remained relatively unchanged. Like, they look almost identical to what I remember as a kid. And again, it's been a hot minute since I've opened an X-Men comic. But I feel like if I was to open one tomorrow, they'd look the same. Mm -hmm. The team-themed outfits was a 90s push. Like, there wasn't an official X-Men outfit until the 90s. Like push they've that their um costumes have actually they've costumes have actually narrowed to be more like each other 
Really? And the, yes. they they also that was when they broke it up into gold play, gold team and blue team. Yes. Because they realized they were dealing with way too many characters. So they basically created two comic books that follow the same storyline in order to kind of make you buy more comics, but also to be able to like portray each of the characters in their own right. So it'd be like, okay, gold team, you're going to go tackle this side of the problem. Blue team, you're going to tackle this side of the problem. Yeah, because they thought they could sell two books that way. And Well, they gotcha. did, because I bought them both, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I'm just, why would anybody like, buy gold team? Blue team. I do, I do remember Wolverine being brown and yellow. Yeah, of course. Like, that's his before classic he costume. was blue and yellow. Like I remember oh, yeah, him being yeah. brown and yellow. Yeah, that but, like, in the, that's his costume from his first appearance. He was originally a Hulk villain. Oh, he was? Was he really? No, shit, I didn't really. Yeah. yeah, he wow. first fought the Hulk. That was his first appearance. Huh. Um, but I, I feel like, anyways, getting back into it, Juggernaut and Magneto look the same. Yes. Like, yeah. Juggernaut may have some more, like, silver accents on his costume or whatever, but he looks almost identical. Uh, the big it, takeaway If you from have this Magneto's helmet me, in your costume, you don't need to change that shit. No, you don't. We, Magneto we, we looks s- really jacked in this one, though. Yeah, he's like yeah, eight feet yeah. tall. Like yeah, he, like, yeah, Magneto's gigantic. been doing some fucking CrossFit, whereas later Magneto's have, he's trim, but he's not, like, Magneto here is fucking juicing. Yeah. Hardcore. So, there's one thing we skipped I want to want to go back into. Of course Before there you is. start <laughs> on this minutia bullshit point, let me bring up a very apparent bullshit point. I had no idea that Professor X and Juggernaut were stepbrothers. Yeah. yeah. That's canon. Well, well, this this was actually my favorite part. Oh, well, when, way to when he was like, my surprise. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Like, no, oh, yeah, well, no, we but... knew this, you fucking plebe. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, my favorite part was he, he <laughs> Professor X was like, oh, that's Magneto. He and I used to be friends. I don't even think he says that, but he says, he says that's Magneto. And that's my brother, Juggernaut. Instead he... of saying his actual fucking name, it's like... It, it just seems so weird to me. Why didn't he just say, oh, that's my brother, Kane Marco. He goes by Juggernaut. <laughs> because nobody nobody cares what I, uh, Juggernaut's first name is. Because me, the untrained one, went, oh, my God, Professor X's stepbrother is Juggernaut? Holy shit. And Juggernaut gets his power from the Crips and Sidorak, so he's yeah, not he's, actually a he's mutant. He's not a mutant. Holy fuck, you so, got to slow down. Wait, no, what? No, he's <laughs> not a mutant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Juggernaut has magical powers, not mutant powers. He has yeah, magical he has, powers. Oh, no yeah. shit, really? He has yeah, a gem yeah. in, like a gem in the center of his chest that empowers him. Or it's it's in his helmet or something. No, so he, he doesn't. He doesn't have it all on him. He just, he's the only one that knows where it is, but it's hidden someplace. Yeah, he every pretty, now and again goes back and looks at it. But he, man, he if, you, if you it, went up to somebody and you're like, "I got something hidden," and I'm the only person who knows where it is, <laughs> we all know where it is. We all know where it is. <laughs> Do you think he poops around it, or just like you have to take I'm, it out man, each time? He probably just eats a lot of stuff that makes his poop really liquidy. Um. And so no, thing, I, I had no thing, idea that relationship. Give me three minutes uninterrupted for me to tell a story here. Okay, no, so no. it's very clear that you guys are are bigger X Men comic book nerds than I was, and I was admittedly not a big comic book nerd. But the thing that got me into X Men was right around when the show first came out. I believe Kellogg's, it might have been Frosted Flakes, ran a promotion where if you ate Frosted Flakes, you could get like a half comic book. And it was seriously a half comic book. It was cool. like cut in half, right? And the Like story, half size. <laughs> yeah. No, no shit. And the yeah. story like was the about, like you uh, you it, it was about it. Jubilee and Juggernaut. Yeah. Like, and that was my introduction to the X-Men. And so 
to me, I, I wish I still had those. I wish my parents had saved them or whatever. They're probably not worth shit. But like, who cares? As a kid, that was that was really my first comic book, and I read through it, and it introduced all the X Men in the comic books. Like, you had Cyclops, you had Jean Grey, you had Storm, you had you had, you had the main players. What was the but, serial? Frosted Flakes. I think said, it was Frosted Flakes. Flakes. I don't remember. If you can look up like X Men comic books, General Mills serial. I sent away for all of them, and I had all four or six of them, and I love those things. And that's why I asked about Dazzler, because I remember Jubilee was introduced in the early 90s after kind of getting into the comic, and she had the thing where she like pointed to her head, and then boom, like her psionic shit went out or whatever. But the whole premise of the, at least the initial book was she was on the run from Juggernaut. And, uh, and so that was cool to see Juggernaut in this comic, or this cartoon. Was so she was on the run with from Juggernaut. She wasn't like teamed up with Juggernaut. No, the nineteen ninety okay. vintage print kicks Barry serial Marvel Comics X Men. Was it nineteen ninety? Holy fuck! Ninety five. Uh, oh, ninety five. Twelve dollars on eighty three eighty three cents on uh, eBay, buddy. I'm not gonna buy it. I just Good. remember Good. as a kid. <laughs> I, I have very positive <laughs> memories of getting it and then reading it. Well, I asked if it was a team-up with Jubilee because I know, because every single X-Men villain has some sort of redemptive arc at some point in time. Yeah. And they could have been doing it with, with Juggernaut and Jubilee. So. No, they wouldn't have done that. Do you think they would have done a redemptive arc for Juggernaut in a fucking half comic in a cereal box? I, I don't see why not. <laughs> because <laughs> they, they have done, they've done stupider shit because the years of that. Because that because that writing that good costs money. <laughs> so is that Jubilee's job just to go around doing redemptive arcs? It, it kind of is, actually. Um, what if that was your mutant power? To just create redemptive arcs. <laughs> yeah, you just like hanging around, make so, redemptive arcs for these people. So all the supervillains are like, they really hate you and are trying to get away from you because as soon as you show up, they're like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" And they yeah. just goes through a whole redemptive mark with you right yeah you're like uh, as soon as you come around they're like oh, i haven't thought of my long lost daughter in so long i need to i need to her to be a part of my life you redemption man come with me <laughs> yeah i need your special abilities of transversing tsa in a quick fashion making me feel emotions I can't remember. I can't remember what cereal it was from, but I, w- I will figure it out. <laughs> we are uh, so off track. <laughs> back to the Xavier Manor, where where they've gone to mute I, I alert. I feel like you guys are getting militant about this, whereas <laughs> no. I'm trying to prevent present a show okay. in a genre that you guys like jerk off. To. Jug- I, so, I, I would like Juggernaut. I would like to. No, no, no. Attacking the let, let, let me let me go back for a second. I, I want to point out. Jesus. They they do a whole thing with Nightcrawler where they try to make Kitty Pride scared of Nightcrawler because he looks different and it's supposed okay. to like highlight how she's yes. close minded. However, it's actually because Nightcrawler is a fucking pervert. Yeah. And he basically comes on to her like a creepy uncle right from the gate. Yeah, he's like, super aggressive. Super aggressive. Okay, so anyways, so our heroes, minus Kitty Pride and Professor X, they get into the SR-71 Blackbird and go into space. No fucking clue why, but they do. The second they get into space, I think you're you have... a bit ahead. No, they go and fight Pyro. No, they, they, they fight they Pyro space. and... Um, yeah, but this, yeah. Is, this is after Magneto steals the mutant circuit from Cerebro from Kitty Pride because Kitty Pride keeps accidentally walking through walls and shorting out all the computers Jesus in the Jesus Christ. That's so. true. I was getting there. 
Well, why are you going so slow, Derek? So anyways, yeah. So Magneto <laughs> and Juggernaut break in to the school. They steal the... Uh, they steal essentially the brain of... Uh, I've got it written down here. Adam, cerebro. Is, cerebro. Yes, thank you. They, they, they steal, steal the Cerebro circuit. Yeah, which circuit is not the right word. Yeah, and it's, it's not something from the comic books. It's something specifically for the animated show. So They're in space in an SR-71 Blackbird, and they're assaulting the space base of the bad guys. The Brotherhood of Mutant Terrorists. No, I think that they're on in like an international space station or something because they took t- they take. Um... Oh, it's Asteroid M. No, no, it's, no, it's Asteroid. No, yeah, the, it's the same place. because first, they're fighting they Pyro the and and they're the fighting blob. Pyro and the Blob first. And yeah. I don't they have hostages? They have. They, have they do. They have hostages. that family. Yeah. yeah, it's a scientist family. Because I think that they do it. They like are on the international space station or something. Yeah, I thought they were like a neutral They're in space. They're well. fighting these motherfuckers. Uh, the bad guys get away. The bad guys are looking like they're going to win. Uh, this is a point where Nightcrawler like tries to redeem his perverseness, but he also like kind of goes up to a little girl. So there's that. Well, Nightcrawler's supposed to be very creepy looking. He's supposed to be like the weirdest looking X Men, which is honestly yeah. not that weird. But yeah, he's just covered in fur. He has uh, three fingers, uh, three. Digits on both of his uh, feet and his hands. So he looks like a he looks like a so, demon. Yeah. So, fast forward through all this bullshit. <laughs> Next thing we know, we go to the baddies, the Brotherhood of Mutant Terrorists, and Gollum is very clearly a bad mutant. Like the voice is almost identical. I don't know if it's Toad or I don't know if it's, it's the dragon. It's, it's toad. toad. It's Toad. He's yeah. he's yeah. doing it like an Air Villachance. Impression, yeah, Igor. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this and, this is something that I didn't like. Another thing I didn't like about their characterization is they made like the Blob a monoslavic idiot, whereas he wasn't the most intelligent of the comic books, but he wasn't like a moron. And uh, Toad wasn't never really came across as like a uh, subservient, like manservant. He was beholden to whatever evil guy he worked with at the time, but he wasn't like. The plane, the plane master. No, he yeah. was like he was like cowardly and and yeah. and underhanded, opportunistic. And, and, yeah, and opportunistic, opportunistic, and might and might betray his master yeah. if things looked bad. But it, but like clever and low. Yeah, I think he's now the janitor for the X Mansion. I think. Uh, have you been reading the Hickman run? No, no, I actually haven't been reading since uh, since after the House of M stuff yeah the house so. well the house m was a real low point for yeah everybody but uh the the hickman stuff is supposed to be really good they're like uh they all live on krakoa so anyway storm plays the wind waker flute and summons a, tor- a tornado to, to teleport everyone away <laughs> yes yep. Yep. and then we realize that magneto is trying to steal a comet and that's first they go back to the mansion and uh, realize that it's been stolen. Well, right. They get there and then... And they back they to see the, the rubble of the mansion. We get another scene where uh, Kitty finds Nightcrawler threatening and scary. Right about this point in time, the actual episode cuts to commercial. It's a promo tape, so I don't really know how they kind of figure that in. But then they come back and they, they have a... What what I thought was pretty cool is they have like kind of a circa nineteen fifties like 
describes the events of the episode up until this point and being like, will our heroes figure it out? Like, or will they meet their impending doom? And I, I thought that was also kind of neat. One thing that, that really bugged me, I keep saying, oh, Jesus I, I keep saying the things. I'm trying to I should, I shouldn't that say, I shouldn't say the one thing that really like, bugged me. Hold on. Wow. Let me go into retconning this entire fucking episode. Derek, I agree <laughs> with you. I, I feel like this, I feel like this whole episode to me felt very like classic Marvel stel- storytelling, like very, yeah, mu- very was... much Marvel mode. And they do, like, it felt very like constructed that way for the X-Men particularly. No, no. I, I, and I, I agree with you on that too. I wasn't going to be talking about the, the construct or any of the setup here. I think they actually did a really good job of training this particular team. I wanted to make a joke about the fact that Wolverine is supposed to be growling, and every time he tries to growl, the voice actor is just sort of gargling his own spit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll allow so, that. So I'm, I'm sorry if I'm trying to tell jokes on a comedy podcast, but I'll try to keep it to a minute. No, 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 Adam, I, by all means, no, keep telling jokes. I'm just yeah. sitting here saying, like, fuck, man, I'm trying. You're doing so good. The pacing on this story is great. Okay, go to my next point. Magneto then proceeds to capture the comet. Oh, wow, there's a mid-episode throwback. That's it, folks. Voiceover. Hmm. Well, Pride just rolls out of the spaceship walls. That was a point where they all go back into space. Everybody gets launched into space, and she's like, what up, fuck you bitches, after Professor X finds her in a locker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She just puts her shit on, and then instead of taking the airlock, she's just like, well, see ya. Zoop. Right through the side of the... I did find that... I did find that a little hard to believe that this, like, 14-year-old girl is suddenly like, I'm going to do a spacewalk. Like, I I, I wouldn't trust myself to put my own spacesuit on. <laughs> no, she shows up and she's like, oh, I don't know what's going on or whatever. And he's, he's at one point in time, mentions you're only 14. And then she's like, I've got to save my planet too. Spacesuit on. <laughs> blah, yeah. Right through the fucking walls of the spaceship. And I was like... I think the, the exact line is, uh, you're just a kid. I'm not a kid. I'm 14. <laughs> it's like saying, I'm not a kid. I'm a child. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who is this aimed at? Kitty Pride phases through the wall of the spaceship, which I thought was interesting. Um, and we can actually, after I'm teasing Adam on, on his level of knowledge, so Kitty Pride can essentially phase anything through any solid matter as long as she's touching it. Is that yeah, how her power works? As, and also any person she's touching. She can phase other people when she touches. Okay, them. so it makes sense. She puts on a spacesuit. She can phase the spacesuit through. She can also phase through air, so she can actually like walk on air. Yeah, she could basically fly. Okay, she's basically exactly my Rift's character was. So, oh, anyways, yeah. they all yeah, they all right. go to the Lonely they all go to the asteroid. They all essentially encounter each member of the Brotherhood of Mutant Terrorists. Um, everybody kind of gets in, into some sort of fight where they get to, to showcase their mutant expertise. But one of the points I, I wrote down here is everybody has a spacesuit on, including Colossus, except for Wolverine. Yeah. Wolverine shows up in his Wolverine outfit. Like, there's no spacesuit. Like, a Colossus takes his spacesuit off to fight the Juggernaut. Yeah, smart you know? move. Um. But Wolverine does not. I'm not sure why that is. His mutant healing factor allows him to stay in the back of the space. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe? Right. <laughs> um, well, I, I actually know why. It's because uh, Wolverine is so fucking iconic, they want to actually use his appearance as much as fucking possible. Maybe. I mean, he he was less not that popular in the same way during this time period. But That's true. Yes. That is true. 
He was very popular. Hugely popular. But I do like how Wolverine is like, okay, I'm going to fight Toad. Oh, I beat Toad. I'm done. I'm going to hang here, guys. Go on. Right, ahead. yeah. I'm done here. I mean, I have to assume he's, like, guarding the door, which doesn't seem like the best use of his skills. Yeah. No. So, anyways, we have Nightcrawler. He essentially... He... What does he do? He he doesn't he doesn't phase you. He essentially blinks into certain areas. He, he, he teleports into the yeah. He, he teleports into the main area. We know Magneto has now taken control of this comet. He's gonna slam it into Earth. Does he mention what his motivation for that is, or it's just like we're establishing him as an evil character? This I wish. Yeah, it's bad I, motivation. Yeah, he's he's trying to kill. Uh, I think he does see it in this. He's trying to kill all mankind, or he's trying to destroy mankind. So the mutants can reign supreme. I wish they'd gone into this a little more, where like maybe he was using the Cerebro circuit to like avoid those targets, so that he could guide the asteroid just to targets, to just humans. to humans, yeah, and save mutants, and yeah. save all mutants or something. Because that would have made more sense why he needed the Cerebro circuit. Yeah, it just seemed like he was trying to take control of the the comet and slam it into Earth. Um, then essentially, what happens is Kitty Pride saves the dragon, Nightcrawler goes up, bridges the gap, takes control of the comet, the baddies escape, we find out that all our heroes are safe on the Blackbird, and then Nightcrawler is going to have to stay there and complete the circuit to have the comet avoid Earth until the very, very last second. Uh He then teleports out of there at the last second, and then we have a moment of, did he make it, did he not make it, and he didn't make it. Um, yeah. Now, now this scene, I, I could have sworn I did actually read the comic version of that where Nightcrawler's on the spaceship and he has to. Yeah. Stay. Oh, really? Hmm. I don't remember it, but I think they've done it before. I really liked the like clever bit where uh, they they say in the beginning that he has line of sight teleportation, and mm-hmm. uh, Professor X puts an image of the. Uh, Yes. Nightwing on the or the, or the of their ship on the TV, so he can teleport to what he sees on the TV. It's pretty fun. So, anyways, they they say, "Hey, we got to use the grappling beams or whatever." But then he shows up in a locker. The Earth is saved. Kitty saves the dragon and escapes. And then here we are, end of the episode. Now I want to get well, into talking the, about the episode. The, the important thing, though, is Kitty forgives Nightcrawler for being a hideous, deformed mutant mm. because he's because uh, he saved the day. Well, she apologizes yes. for what how she acted. There is there is some kissy faces there. Um, yes, a little bit. Yeah, no, it was this was a great episode. I. I I think it was fucking great. One of the reasons that I really, really like this episode is looking at it as somebody who is not. I know who the X Men are. I enjoy the X Men. I watched the cartoons as a kid. Mm-hmm. I like them. I am definitely not into the X Men to the level that at least Adam is and the rest of you guys are, where it's like your favorite comic book of all time. This was a very, very easy entry if I was somebody who is brand new and you're like hey man the X-Men they're really cool watch this I would have watched that show and been like that was fucking awesome mm-hmm. like I'm in I want to learn everything there is about these these awesome mutants I want to learn everything there is about these bad mutants and why they're fighting and everybody is great the only question I have though is what the fuck was to do with that dragon 
Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's no one comments on it. That's Lockheed. <laughs> that's Lockheed. That's that's okay, Kitty Pryde's dragon. That's a thing? Yeah, yes. she she picks them up when they fight the Brood, which are essentially xenomorphs. Okay, uh, the Brood are a ripoff of aliens, basically. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Lockheed was basically uh, trapped on the Brood ship, and she finds Lockheed and takes him in, and he becomes like a side character throughout uh, half of that comic series. Okay, so that yeah, was... it's, it's her pet, and it's know, her pet. Yeah. It's lovable. And, it and, was, and I mean, it was super cool. He becomes big. Yeah, dude, this show was really good, really well done. I thought the voice acting was, for the most part, very good. I thought Wolverine's accent was, <laughs> I was like, when I watched it and we talked about it, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's from, like, Alaska or, like, northern Canada. Like, yeah, because he, he was originally tuxedo. He was originally part of Alpha Flight, which was the uh, yeah. X-Men for Canada, or the X, X Factor for Canada, because it was a government-sponsored uh, oh, so team. he was he was Canada actual then. Yeah, Can- he was yeah. not Canada okay. actual. Right. Well, I mean the character, yes. But they they keep going into like for for Wolverine in particular, his origin is always supposed to be like kind of nebulous because nobody really knows how old he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes Sabretooth is depicted as being his father. Sometimes Sabretooth is depicted as being his brother. It's like it's oh, really they don't really have a definitive past for him. It spans multiple continents. So I mean, they've, I always they've, thought they've, Sabretooth they've done, was his brother. They've resolved a lot of it. At this point, yeah, I, th- I think that they did resolve the Sabretooth being his brother, at the very least for like one of the movie series. I think like X Men Origins or something. He was or Wolverine Origins. I mean, nothing, nothing stays fixed, right? Like, yeah. okay, yeah. they're constantly reconning and changing the narrative and flipping around the the well, ident- the identities of these characters as needed. And they, at some point in time, they gave everybody secondary mutant abilities, so everybody has like more powers now. Cool. So like. The, the White Queen is supposed to be a psychic, so all of her abilities are supposed to be psionic, but then at some point in time, I think it was like an asteroid pass between, a planetoid pass between the sun and the earth, <laughs> um, and uh, gave all mutants more abilities, so she then was able to turn herself into diamond after that. Yes. So, Oh, she was in the movie played by January Jones. Yeah, yeah, she was. Oh, mm-hmm. for some reason I thought it was the White Witch. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought it was the same lady. Do you think January Jones can like only film during January? That's like why she has that name. She can't act for shit, by the way. <laughs> January she was Jones cast because has she is not unattractive, and boy, she's terrible. Have you seen Last Man on Earth? No. She she it's it's a TV series. It's like a, it's a comedy throwaway TV series. Are you about um, to say she's good in it? Yeah, she's pretty good in it. She she plays um, uh, somebody struggling with mental health at it too so she she does a decent job but it's also like a comedy series they're not really playing it for the drama so she was she was all right in Mad Men I will give her that but when she was when she was the White Witch in uh, the X-Men movies I was like oh my god no uh, yeah but no but nobody was good in those movies those movies were really gross trash honestly um, the guy that played uh, Professor X James McAvoy, McAvoy, and then yeah. no, no, no. Uh, I was thinking, Magneto I too. was thinking uh, the original run, oh, original Patrick movies, Stewart. Oh. Patrick yeah. Stewart run yeah. movies. Yeah, she wasn't in the original. Uh, January no, she was in like the nineteen sixties. She was in Days of Future Past, I think. Yeah, yeah. James McAvoy was Professor X, and then yeah. um, Michael Fassbender was. Uh, thank you, was Magneto. Magneto. Where do you guys think it went wrong in between here and then what was released in nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety four? 
I don't think that the '90s version is wrong. I no, th- no, I think they recalibrated it and, and for a maybe a little younger audience. Uh, like I always thought it was okay. aimed at like ten to twelve ish year olds. Um, and yeah, that's I mean that's when I watched it. I was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and it it was '90s. Um. It was the 90s team. It was essentially the same formula, but remixed with new characters, where Jubilee replaces Kitty. I, I think I think the only thing that was like really different between the two was just the animation style. I feel like this had better animation. And I, and, and I don't know if yeah. it was because they used like an American animation studio, and then they overseas it after that, or if vice versa, maybe. Um, it's certainly less... I mean, it's still pretty stylized but it's less stylized it's it feels more like the comics than yeah. the cartoon it feels did. more grounded yeah yeah, yeah the, the 90s version definitely the animation was cheaper i'm, I'm pulling up the 90s but version we're also right we're to... also comparing a, a long-running show that had all the problems that you get with a with a long-running show mostly yeah, time and yeah. budget mm-hmm. to like a very tight uh, pilot a, yeah a pilot that was set up well do you guys David, you, you might know this, and if not, you'll like this. Do you know where the money came from to make this pilot? I don't know. Uh, pr- the... I'm probably one of the central banks. One, like... <laughs> probably, probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it came from the... Uh, instead of making the 13th episode of RoboCop, the animated uh, series, they made the X-Men pilot. So they basically <laughs> stole money from RoboCop to make this this pilot well it's because they knew that that 13th around, episode so. was going to be unlucky well it still did turn out unlucky because nobody picked up this this series damn bad luck i'm watching an hq version of the x-men opening and holy shit is the animation quality night and day better from the one we just watched yeah it's ridiculous well, I mean, it's also like this, that's a sustainable style for the production schedule that this show demanded. Mm-hmm. And probably, honestly, the pilot drawing, the way they did the pilot, is not sustainable for a long-term show. No, I mean, the pilot looks like animated comics, mm-hmm. whereas the one from the, the kind of syndicated TV show looks like the average anime. But man, going into it, God, Storm's costume in the original pilot is so much better than what she was in the animated show. Um, well, they decided that it, where, having her wear essentially a two-piece bikini might be slightly demeaning. Yeah. So they and gave her actual also, clothes. Since since the original uh, X-Men came out, there were actually multiple uh, movies or um, TV shows that portrayed prostitutes wearing the same thing. So. <laughs> Hey man, I'm just giving you my opinion on her costume. I thought her costume in the original pilot was way better. Like that, it has nothing that to do costume with the... is completely iconic. Like it, no, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's totally. It, it just it strong. looks way better than her like silver suit, whatever. Like it just I don't know why, and I'm not saying from any sort of like quasi sex appeal thing. It just looks better. Like yeah. it's a better costume. And Magneto looks way more awesome in this show than he did in the reimagining of X-Men in 1994. And I don't know if that's animation or whatever, but, man, like, he looks great. Yeah. I mean, everything in this show was... The effects were great. The yeah. um, the writing was really snappy. I mean, like, it wasn't deep, but things moved you know right along. Great? What's that? Colossus 
totally skipped leg day in this show. He's <laughs> got he's motherfucker's got toothpicks and huge shoulders. Like, bro, get in that squat rack. This this this, this podcast is devolving <laughs> rapidly. Somebody keep us on track. Did it ever bother you, Adam, how similar um Colossus and Nightcrawler's costumes are? I mean, like they were definitely all designed in the same time period. Yeah, they're both wearing male G-strings that go from their shoulders to their gooch. With, well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, here it's we are talking about how yeah. Storm has a two-piece bikini on. Well, every every uh, male character had like the the V put yeah. into them. Um, and they explained it in the comic book that these were actually uh, clothes uh, provided by technology by the Shi'ar uh, to allow the costume to survive their mutant abilities. Mm. Because before that, every time Colossus used his power, he basically would burst out of his clothes like Bruce Banner did when he turned mm-hmm. into a Hulk. And then basically made it so that the, the costume kind of like shifted with him and became bigger. So, I mean, in, basically in comics, that means that like your entire wardrobe is just jorts. Yeah, yeah. Cut, so off, in, cut off jorts. Like man G-strings. But for, <laughs> um, but I think that's one of the reasons why they kept saying, kept creating the man G-string basically, creating that V. Excuse me. It was basically like, oh, this is a quote-unquote alien design from the 70s so and i think that was kind of how they were trying to make them more uniform was just trying to make the the costumes the same shape uh the exception being uh cyclops because cyclops i think had his costume ruled over from the original x-men yeah essentially he has his own costume cyclops also has like the the least diversity of abilities out of this entire group his ability really is just that he can shoot lasers out of his eyes that's um, pretty fucking tits, though. No, no, it's it's it. it's really good. It's really good. The rest of his body doesn't really affect the costume, though. It's really just his eyes. Whereas, like, Wolverine has extra agility, plus his healing factor, plus his heightened True. senses, plus his metal claws. So Cyclops um, can shoot lasers out of his eyes, but his physique is 100% based on his time in the gym. Poor yep, bastard. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. Like, everybody yeah. else is like, I'm ripped all the time, and Cyclops yeah. is like, well, I guess I got to go to CrossFit now, guys. Yeah. Fuck. Did I tell All you guys right, well, that I, I'm a vegan ya. now? Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? I'm going to CrossFit, and I'm only eating fucking goddamn tofu hot dogs. So Adam hates me for this, but Cyclops is my favorite character. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate you. I don't hate you for that. I think, actually, I, I like Cyclops a lot He just also. judges you. Yeah, I just judge you for it. Ooh, yeah. let's, um, let's, let's go around the round my table. My favorite character uh, is Matt's uh, favorite character is Cyclops, yeah. because Cyclops is awesome. Adam's favorite character is Colossus because Adam is a German who hates the Jews. <laughs> David, who's your Colossus favorite is Russian? <laughs> yeah, what Colossus, are you talking about? Colossus is a Russian who hates the Jews. He's Peter yeah, Rasputin. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, because Adam Adam loves the strong guy trope. He really like that's usually your favorite well, character on a team. It, it usually is, and it's and especially when it's done like Colossus, where it's like the strong guy that. Yeah. hates the fact that he is so physical and does everything he can to like yeah. de-escalate the situation He's rather a, than use his power to the, attack the him. sensitive strongman. So yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm just I'm doing nothing but talking mad trash. Like I think plus Colossus he totally smashes Kitty. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite character, Derek? I would probably say Wolverine. Yeah, just because I mean I came into this a little bit later than you guys when Wolverine was was kind of the the figurehead. For like everything, yeah. For everything, it, it was it was kind of know. the peak of his of his popularity. Yeah. So we know you don't have taste, so it's, we forgive you. Yeah, 
My favorite bad guy, though, and one of the reasons I really appreciated this episode is Juggernaut. Yeah, I love Juggernaut. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I, I, like the whole like I remember the, like in those little serial cartoons, it was Juggernaut versus Jubilee, mm-hmm. and then when the like I'm the Juggernaut bitch meme came out, and then they they put that into the movie and everything. Like, I just always thought Juggernaut was was the coolest, and the fact that he just had this big. Like it, it wasn't even a football helmet. <laughs> it's just like a helmet that goes over to his shoulders, and he just like bonks his way through walls. Like it was just great. Yeah, he's a good. He design. has that helmet. He has that helmet to protect himself from Charles Xavier. Yeah, because it blocks out Xavier's telepathic abilities. So does so does Magneto. Oh no shit! So does, really? so does Magneto's helmet. Except in this cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. So but does yeah, Magneto's so helmet. Magneto's helmet. Yeah. In in X Men lore now yeah. now Adam will use your skills. So he wears that not to bash through walls. He wears that to protect himself from Professor X. Yeah, from psionics. Because he, cause he can, he's basically invulnerable. So the only way that he can be stopped is by psychic means. So whenever okay. he fights the X-Men, the X-Men immediately try to cut his helmet off. So then Xavier, Xavier can just drag and take him down. Yeah, can just so, shut his brain off. Yeah. Oh. And, and that goes back into the fact that he's actually magic. He's not a mutant. Yeah. No, it's kind just of, yeah, the fact yeah. that he's pretty much unstoppable otherwise. Yeah, yeah. His, his only weakness is his brain, basically. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, David, all who, the things I'm yeah, learning. David, who's your David, favorite? who's your favorite character? Uh, X-Man? <laughs> X-Man, yeah. Nate, Nate Gray? <laughs> I know, it's... Um, it's, it's Roger Perdactor. It's Gambit because of that sexy uh, Cajun voice, right? Fuck him. <laughs> uh, I think it might be Storm. Uh, wow. Oh, nice. Nice. Very cool. Once again, David is the most woke. <laughs> so the villainous X-Men, the Blob, I think his name is, mm-hmm. yeah. he is somebody I don't remember. Oh, the Blob is classic. So you never yeah. played the arcade game? I don't. I, I mean, I did the one with like the four stations. Yeah. You could, yeah. Was the Blob one of the guys? He, he was one of the villains. You don't remember him saying nothing could stop the Blob every freaking time you hit him. Nothing could stop. <laughs> no, the I don't blob. remember. That's that's amazing. Yeah. So his whole power is the fact that he's just immensely big. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, oh. it kind of it makes him invulnerable too. Like he can't. Uh, like bullets can't penetrate. He's his like body slightly or amorphous. Yeah. 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 Slightly amorphous. Yeah. He, oh, he, a lot he of people like moved. punch him in their fist, get buried in his flesh, etc. But the funny thing is, it's, it's all uh, contingent upon him touching the ground. So there are occasions where, like, before he could use his ability, people like have picked him up off the ground, and he's like perfectly helpless. Just like, fat. Oh, really? Yeah, Colossus would basically just go and grab him, pick him up off the ground, and at that point in time, he couldn't use his immovability powers. So he was still kind of invulnerable because of his fat. But he didn't. He couldn't really do anything else. He would just be like helpless. So. <laughs> such a dumb. Such a so weird. Yes, some some of the some of the original characters had some pretty dumb powers. Really. Yeah. So it was the seventies. There was a lot of cocaine. Well, my, my it's because, favorite. It's because a batch. lot of the original characters would like they would introduce him in one issue and defeat them in the same issue. Yeah. Oh, and, really? Yeah. My favorite character uh, for this group of bad guys is and always will be Pyro. Because he has the ability to control fire, he does not have the ability to create fire. He does. He is not f- impervious to fire. So <laughs> basically, the first thing that the X Men do whenever they see him is they blow up the propane tank on his back and take him out of combat immediately. Mm-hmm. 
that's so essentially Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> like every video game in 2021, like shoot the fire motherfucker in his backpack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it just sort of takes him out completely. So yeah. One of the things I really like about Scott Summers, though, is the fact that, and this might this might have just been like a Jim Lee thing that people ran with after the fact, but every psychic character finds him irresistible. Oh yeah, it's like it, it's almost like he has like like perfect mental hygiene to the point where like when the psychic <laughs> characters see that they're like, oh wow, I love this guy. No, he's like, I mean, he's he's fairly unhealthy. He's like riddled with guilt. Is the way he's usually written, yeah, because uh, yeah. he's done a lot of shitty stuff. Yeah, well, and, and also because he didn't control his powers in the beginning, so he like just blew a bunch of shit up. Yes, with he's, his eyes. He's 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 always this like uh, reluctant, guilty, uh, introverted character. That's just his internal story, but he's always shown as like a fairly competent. And good leader for the X Men. Yeah, I never got any of that backstory. But is him. is that where the <laughs> is that where the backstory like why he's like conflicted? I would have said whiny bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. is is that why he's that way? Is because he did some really awful shit back in the day, and then he's trying to atone for it? No, it's because mm. in the nineties they set him up as a foil for Wolverine, and they really yeah. wore out oh. him very poorly in the nineties. Like the definitive S- Scott Summers is. Claremont Summers in the Dark Phoenix Saga and the Hellfire Club building up to it. Like, okay, that's that's the definitive version of his character um, in which he's like constantly feels immense amounts of guilt. Well, because he's he's the leader of the team. So he's trying to like guide his team in the right direction, trying to protect his team while also trying to deal with the fact that his wife is being taken over by this uh, malevolent galactic entity that she seems to be in control of and seems to be controlling. But in the process of of him refusing to stop her, she winds up committing massive genocide. And then inevitably, he basically sacrifices all of his morals to keep her alive and she kills herself. And and that that like whole story arc right there is what really kind of defines him at that point in time. That is a fucking fantastic story. Jesus no, Christ. No, it is, it is. It's not it's nothing like the movie. So Dude, the the Dark Phoenix story is good. It's uh, it's really fucking good. The whole Chris so. Claremont run is just like it is completely melodrama, but it's so yeah. delicious. Like it's like yeah, it's, the, it's the, only, the only thing going against Cyclops after learning that is one, he's wearing tidy whities on the outside, <laughs> and two, he's wearing wading boots that he's folded down yeah. over his calves. Like, bro, just full full commit. He has like just, classic like swashbuckler boots. He's yeah. always had classic oh, yeah. swashbuckler yeah. boots. It's super yeah, weird. Yeah, in a Speedo. Yeah. I thought this was like the original X-Men uniform in, in this series. It, it, was. For, it was. It was. But, but it like, was the same thing that, that Gene Gray Oh, I'm just, t- I'm this. making fun of yeah, it, and Beast, yeah. and Beast was wearing that before. Yeah. Except for the boots, because Beast always had uh, prehensile feet. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. He had those hand feet Yeah, that you're always reading about. But this actually looks like better than I remember when seeing the original uniforms this one does oh no yeah because the, the original uniforms were were like baggy they, yeah they drew them as being very baggy and they the they redesigned him when they did giant size x-men uh to be to be the leader of this team 
one of the, one of the cool things they did with Scott at one point in time though is they did like a deep dive what in one comic book, one cell they did a whole explanation as to why um, the White Queen loved him because this was a little bit later on after Jean Grey left. And it, oh, were they were they dating at one point? Yeah, originally. They get, yeah, they they get married. Yeah, originally Scott, it was Jean Scott Grey. has a fucked up love life. Very fucked yeah. up. It's with all the psychic women. So. <laughs> wait, wait. So yeah. I asked if they were dating, and then Adam's like, "Oh yeah, they're they're married." Like, wait, what? He doesn't marry Jean Grey. He marries her clone, Madeline Pryor. While she, yeah. while Jean is dead. While Jean is dead. And then, as soon as Jean comes back, he leaves Madeline Pryor because she gets taken over and becomes evil. It's uh-huh. some real soap opera stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Then Jean, Jesus yeah, it really is. Jean Grey is resurrected. They get married. They have a kid. They have to send the kid in the future because he has this techno organic virus. No, Nate is Ma- Nate is Madeline Pryor's so, son. Oh no! Should you're we right, get to the right. point yeah. where we're going to let our kids watch this show? Or are we just going to? Uh, but but uh, real quick, real quick. Uh, the the white no, queen you're... went into to why she loves Scott. I'm I'm, I'm I'm on the fucking train tonight. All right, let's do it, boys. Uh, Scott, just, they went into go. his, his psychic. Uh, they, they showed him fighting a um, like a dinosaur. Like they were in they were in the uh, uh, what is the name of the island? Savage Land. The savage. They were in the Savage Land. It's not an and island. It, it's it's in the center it's, the center it's part the center of, of uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. It's yeah. in the center of the Earth. Um, no, so that's Hollow Earth theory. Yeah, that's the Morlocks. Oh, jeez. Uh, but he, uh, <laughs> he he fights. Um, he's he's fighting a dinosaur just randomly. Like he's training, basically fighting this dinosaur. And then, like off in the distance, you see the White Queen talking to somebody. And they're like, and they're like, "Why are you into Scott Summers? Um, don't you know that all of his girlfriends die? Something like that." And the White Queen is just like, oh, you don't see his thoughts the way I do. And it shows, like, this this like, this like whole series of tactical movements. And it shows how Scott's, like, planning, like, four or five steps ahead. And yes. it's supposed to be, like, going into his training initially with um, uh, Charles Xavier because he was always trained to be the leader. And he was always going through that type of leadership training where it was like, okay, you make a plan. You stick to the plan. Okay, you shift the plan. You have to, like, think five, six, 12 steps ahead in order to actually get through any crisis. Well, that, so, and he, he, he's supposed to have, part of his mutant ability is like a pre-natural sensor, sensory awareness that allows him to ricochet his beams around. And that helps him with his tactical skills. So he he has this like... He's always looking for the eight ball in the corner pocket. He's, yeah, he's always looking for the yeah. angle. But yeah, I mean, that's his that's his character. Terrible, amazing, or amazingly terrible. I say amazing. Amazing. I think it's amazing too. Yeah, it's great. Uh, that that that's an easy fucking boat yeah. in this one. Yeah. And so da- so David, we're keeping no, it on the list. <laughs> no, we're not. There's only one episode. Well, here's the we thing. Just do it, we just do it over and over and over again. I think I think that it's right that there's only one episode. We yeah. don't deserve this cartoon. <laughs> we're a fallen people on a cracked broken earth and we don't deserve the glories that this cartoon could have given us yeah something about that especially at that age yeah no we I we just, got I the x-men we got the x-men cartoon we deserved we deserved yeah they just fucked up like that was that was a fantastic cartoon and this is what i is. have to wonder why they didn't pick it up i mean yeah let's see let's see here i mean i there was definitely like People thought comics were juvenile for a long time. They are juvenile. 
Yeah, oh. but I mean... Let's see. New World Pictures, who purchased the Marvel Entertainment Group, or Meg, from Candace Industries in 1986, Jeez. sold Meg in January 1989 to the Andrews Group and stopped work on just about everything but Muppet Babies. So essentially, the the pilot was the end of the Marvel Animated Universe created by that production company. Ah, okay. That's that's the reason why they never picked it up. So, too bad. But again. Yeah, it's what yep. it's because of the things that we did. I would let my children watch this. It has same Z's. Yeah, it has a bunch of ca- very diverse characters. Um, it's a little retrograde, but like our main character is a is a woman, a young girl. You know, I would definitely let my let my kids watch this. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, like it's it's really fucking good. And why didn't we get this? I told you. Cause, I know. Because that thing you did when you were st- staying over at my house. Oh. When you were six years old? Yeah. Or four years old? Yeah. We know. We know what you did. Sad. <laughs> Sad All right. people. One universe theory. Well, I was just going to uh, change up the order so that Derek could duck out early. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm good. Okay. Adam, ready and go. <laughs> Fix it, Adam. Uh. So here's what I'll say. This this feels earlier in our timeline. This is it's set. It came out in 1989. It seems set in 89. So so we're we have a we have a period of time that we we need to bridge the gap on, which is the uh, Jim of the hologram before she turns into or uh, Jerica Benton before she turns into uh void yes so there's that period of time that we have never played around with um like i I could see her like uh being involved in fun helping fund a team like this do you think maybe she's dazzler i think i think there's a lot of similarities there do you think that she's she's trying to learn how to become a superhero by, by basically joining this fledgling superhero group. Like, she knows she has to step up her game. Yeah. Um, I could very much see that. Um, do you think that this is the beginning of the fusing between um, Jerrica Benton and Synergy? Like, she's, at this point, like, it's so enmeshed in her, she doesn't need, like, the holographic um, earrings. earrings. Yeah. That, because... They are starting to fuse, and there she can pass as a mutant. Do you think maybe like Kitty like phased her into a computer, and left her there? Ooh. <laughs> Kitty accidentally merged synergy with Jerrica Benton. Yeah, but like interesting. Just her head. She like grabbed her head and slammed it into a computer, and then just left just, it there. She stuck a Commodore sixty four in there. And <laughs> just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> She just can you imagine how shitty you could be with that power? Is you just like leave objects in people's bodies? I think she does that a lot, actually. I think there's a couple times where she actually like yeah. sticks her hand in people's hearts and is like, uh, you want to rephrase the thing you just said to me? Or just, or can you just be like, uh, uh, Kitty, I'm too tired to eat. Can you just put this, can you just put this apple right in my stomach? <laughs> 
<laughs> so we're going with teleportation powers now, huh? She just put so, it. Yeah. Kitty, I just, I just can't make it to the bathroom today. Can you just scoop it out of there? <laughs> Can you just grab it and check it? Here, I'll give you a doggy bag. <laughs> Could you just pre-scoop me? Uh, <laughs> oh, and I have to pee. I have to pee too. Here's a ziplock. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we done with this? I like okay. the I like the idea that Dazzler is uh, Jerrica Ben, like trying to take her game up to the next level. Do you think she's okay. helping fund this? Like, how did Xavier get his money? Oh Jesus! No, Christ. no, I, I think that's I think that's a good point. Yeah, maybe she is. Ooh, that's probably what she did. Is she actually combined? She oh saw fuck! <laughs> we're, she... we're going down this rabbit hole. Yeah, again. She, yeah we well, stopped. That's all Adam, when you stop took it. your when you took your headphones off, we stopped talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> we were waiting for you to come back, man. Yeah, you gotta like this stuff. Yeah, hey, this... you, you were given oh, the chance God. to run. David tried to give you a chance to run. So, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> no, I, I like the idea of these. Essentially, Jerrica Benton saw that Xavier's school for gifted uh, children um, was basically going under. So as part of her next tax write-off, she incorporated that school into her uh, orphanage scheme, into Starlight Industries. Yeah, that's when she discovered that there were actually mutants there, and he was running a school to try to teach all these kids. So she basically came in and was like, hey... Let me help you out with this full time. Funded the organization. Joined the team so she could basically learn how to become a superhero. But in the background was essentially uh, funding the whole thing and providing the technology necessary to run the. I um, mean, danger room. The danger room is um, synergy. Like it is synergy. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely functions like synergy, um, and. I would buy that. I, I, do you think that Charles knows knows who she is, or do you think she's just like, oh no, da-, like she developed the Dazzler persona, and it makes reasonable sense that Dazzler's made enough money from being a pop star that she could help fund something like this. I think that once Charles Xavier realized that she was up to, he mind wiped her and gave her a whole. <laughs> Shit. He made her into Dazzler. He sh- he saw her unconscious desire to become a better hero, and mind wiped her to make it possible. Yeah, and he made her Dazzler, and that's when, um, and then through her self discovery as Dazzler, she started to realize that her powers were tied to the machinery mm-hmm. that she helped build at the X Mansion. And she delved deeper into that, and that's what she fused with Void. I can just see a Professor Xavier just being like, "Yes, I will. I will make you into my disco fantasy girl <laughs> to go with my uh, jungle fever fantasy girl and my young girl fantasy girl and my my teenager fantasy girl, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. and my." Hairy Australian man fantasy girl. <laughs> I love his bad Good attitude. <laughs> All right, let's. I, put I this still one can't down. get over that when he, when clearly Logan was supposed to be like, I really hate this shit. Instead, it was like, <laughs> he sounded, I really hate all this shit. Uh, anyway, I David, do you have anything to to add or can or? Uh, 
dispute. I kind of like this. No, I, I I really like this, and it also explains why her her psyche is so messed up later. Mm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which this is the beginning forward. of her identity yeah. issues of her like breakdown, her fraction. Yeah. All right, I'm out. See ya. <laughs> Jerry actually left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, no, he's sick of our shit. So who's the main character in the One Universe theory that we made so far? Is it really Jerrica Benton? Is she like our main protagonist? She's like? she's a huge driving force for sure. She's yeah. she's strongly shaped a lot of the universe. But I, I think there's no main character. I think we develop yeah. more. We've got. I mean, we've never really explored why Stampede and um, Starsha hate each other so much. But they don't. That's the thing. Stampede loves Starsha. It's an unrequited love. He's just this too much of an insult dick to be able to actually like, <laughs> act on him properly. So this is all because he can't ask her out. Exactly. This so is it's all because he's a... So it's, this is just you in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Starsha's like, ooh, Stampede, I love you. You got such a sexy voice. Yeah, it sounds all like Starsha's like writing, writing in his yearbook. And... Stampede's like, I don't know what to do with girls, so I'm going to go punch this planet. <laughs> I'm going to destroy the Earth. <laughs> My heart light hologram feels funny. <laughs> David, what is our next segment? All right, so coming up, what is Index 490? Oh, jeez. 490, the big O. Ooh, into the 2000s, right? Uh, 2003, yeah. it ended its run there, and it is an anime. I don't know an anything about this. Oh, that, you have an yep, anime on this list? The Big O. It says it's an anime. We, we have a few animes on here. We also have Gigantor. Um, Gigantor. He's bigger than big. Stronger than strong. Faster than fast. I think that's long, long. long. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think that um, this one's kind of questionable if we wanted to leave it on because I think this was definitely part of like the Adult Swim animation block at one point in time. No, let's mix it. I it's like that it's too there. late now. Yeah. Okay. I like that it's there. It's, I like I like the list being being eccentric. You know. Fair enough. Getting some diversity up in here. Yeah, yeah. That's always a good. That's the reason why we have live action series as well. So, wait, you rolled two, so we're doing the second episode of the Big O. Yeah, nice. Wow, all right, nice. I so love the it. episode after they explain what the hell is going on. Yeah, exactly. So we'll just be just confused enough. And number two is an interesting one because it's the real. Because usually the episode one is the pilot, and episode two is usually like where they have made decisions. So sometimes it's different from episode one or they've recast somebody or something. Um, and also it's usually shittier, <laughs> a lot shittier. You're right. It's an anime. Maybe uh, the first episode was all bullshit. And then the second one is where they explain everything. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. The first one was just speed lines and boobies. Yeah, that would go to you. Ed. Yeah. That's oh, right. okay. Adam, you have a big O. So I got the big O. Some people like to refer to that as their orgasm. Or the little death. <gasps> Le petite mort. Petite mort. <laughs> 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 uh, 
it's been it's been a it's been a long life there with you, buddy. I'm enjoying it. This is this is good times. Uh, I love both you guys. We keep getting into each other's heads. Not that Derek guy, though. <laughs> He's pretty good. I like. Oh uh, no, I love him too. <laughs> yeah. Um, for yet another amazingly terrible podcast, I am still Matt. And for one more week, I remain to be Adam. Remain to be. Remain to be. And I'm Derek. I really had fun, guys. <laughs> Boobies. <laughs> Derek, you sound good. I'm David, and I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys handled this without me. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? <laughs> Are you not going to be here for a record, sir? You're not, you're not coming back? David, where do you... What happened? Yeah, what's, what's going on? Where are you? David. You can't leave us like this. We're, we're going to fall apart without you. Amazingly Terrible is produced by David Holmes. Send your emails to monotonouslyterrific at amazinglyterrible.com Music by Josh Woodward. All right. So uh, this is when we record the secret part of the episode. Computer, what means love? Tell me your secrets, computer.